Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus the Christ. Amen. Isn't it great that we have this passage during this time? Being weary and heavy laden. Any of you weary at this point? How many of us are weary of the COVID-19 pandemic throughout our world? Yes, and all the hands in here go up, multiple hands. All right. So we are weary of that. We might be weary of the lack of hugs, being able to be with the people we long to be with, being able to interact in a normal way. We might be weary of all the restrictions and wearing of the masks. We might be heavy laden. Here recently I've had a chance to talk with some folks and it's very interesting how during these times we might be led back to old coping mechanisms, old ways of dealing with our pressure that maybe we thought we had one victory over, but they tend to kind of come back once in a while. I've even had conversations where I know how this works. There's a, a wonderful book that we had to read at the seminary called The Hammer of God. It was a great little book. In that book, it, it reminded me of, of the work of Satan. Satan is, there's another name for Satan. His name means something. Do you know what Satan means? The devil is the father of lies, correct. But in the Old Testament, the word Satan means the accuser. Now you can sleep tonight because you've learned something new for the day. Okay? The accuser. And so what does the accuser like to do? He likes to come and accuse he likes to remind you of things from your past. I've had someone call me. I've actually I've had a number of people that share with me these horrible things that have been part of their past. And Satan just loves to bring those up and say, remember what you did? And it's in moments like that that we might feel heavy laden. Right? In moments like that, as the devil reminds us of our past, it's very important for us to remind him of his future, where he will be cast into the lake of fire, no longer able to touch us, made righteous by the blood of Jesus. Weary and heavy laden. I, uh, I am weary of dealing with my new phone sometimes. I've tried in the last couple of phones to be able to put things off of. I, I have a number of books and audible books, and so because I have too many of those, it fills up my phone, and I, I can't keep them all on, so if I ever want to get something and I'm somewhere else, I have to download it then, and it just gets to be a little bit of an of a inconvenience. That's all it is, just inconvenience. But I'd like to get that fixed. And so just the other day I was into the phone store, and as I went into that store and just asked them and, and uh I was weary of not being able to use my Kindle and Audible to the fullest of its measure. And also, every time I touch the edge of my phone, it seems to flip off to go somewhere else. So I'm kind of weary of it. I thought about getting a different one. So I'm in there, and, and as I walk in, the manager is a great, great person, but not wearing a mask. And as we interact a little bit more, oh, he says, I can, I can fix that. And so he's touching my, my screen, and then he... Um, he actually fixes it and shows me where, I don't know if it's true for you, but I noticed that with me and my problems, it's well over 98% operator error. Have you ever discovered that? There's a lot of operator error, especially with technology. If you can't turn it off and turn it back on again and it works, then it might be operator error. Okay? And so I was struggling because 
not only did I have to put my things on my card from my phone, but also from the app, which I didn't know. And when he enlightened me, when other store people didn't know what the, what the idea was, didn't know what the solution was, when he enlightened me, he said, you know what? I'm really good at my job. <laughs> and he stuck his hand out to be, to get a fist bump, which I did, so I'm not going to fist bump any of you. I'll be careful, and I'll put gloves on before we give out communion today. I was weary of my technology. I've got a couple of people that can't get on today because of technology, uh, maybe Microsoft or whatever is, is giving updates or different things are happening. Do you ever grow weary of technology? I was listening to Max Lucado's book this morning on the way down, uh, Anxious for Nothing. And he said that our nation, America, is by far the most anxious nation in the world. And one of the reasons that that might be the case is because of all the change that's going on. And he said, we have changed more in the last 30 years than in the previous 300. That's easy to see, isn't it? And so with all the anxiety, it says now that our young people, as they grow up and they enter college, they have as much anxiety on their plate, on their plate as people used to have who went into see the psychologists, they went into these, these facilities to receive help back in the 1950s. So back in the 1950s, when people were really super anxious and they needed to go see professionals, that's what our kids are like when they leave home at the age of 18. Max Lucado talks about us being so anxious, so wired, so tight, that for women, the whole idea of uh, needing anxiety medication is the number one on their list, number one uh, struggle in America. For men, it's right below alcohol and drug addiction. Are you weary of technology? Are you weary of all the change? Are you weary of the anxiety, the panic attacks, the struggles? Do we need rest? When the man said he was really good at his job, it also reminded me of something else. It reminded me of this paragraph from the Prodigal God book by Timothy Keller. He talks about it in there, and then also um, the author of Seculosity speaks of this as well, how we in America are so longing to be enough. Are you weary of trying hard enough to be enough? Older brothers in the prodigal son story, the older brothers are those who tend to get angry when things don't go their way because they've done things like they're supposed to. God, I've done my part. Now you need to do for me what you've said. But another thing that they do is written here. Another sign of being an older brother is that criticism from others doesn't just hurt your feelings. It devastates you. Because... When we live for the approval of others and we don't get it, we're not enough. I know it's just a small group in here today, but does that make sense? If we long to find the approval of others, if our whole identity is set upon that and we don't have that, then it's devastating when someone offers us criticism. <laughs> Are you weary of that? 
I use this paragraph today because this paragraph so touches my life. This is because your sense of God's love is abstract and has little real power in your life. And you need the approval of others to bolster your sense of value. I have lived through that. I'm continuing to live into that. And it's still a struggle in my life at times to live in the overwhelming grace and mercy of my God. And I get to preach about it on a weekly basis. That just means I'm really messed up with an awesome Savior. Hopefully you're not quite that messed up. But if you are, if his salvation, if his love and mercy is big enough for me, it's big enough for you too. You also feel irresolvable guilt. When you do something you know is wrong, your conscience torments you for a long time, even after you repent. Sure, you can't be sure. Since you can't be sure you've repented deeply enough, you beat yourself up over and over for what you did. But perhaps the clearest symptom of this lack of assurance is a dry prayer life. Though elder brothers may be diligent in prayer, there is no wonder, awe, intimacy, or delight in their conversations with God. In another section in that Prodigal God book, he talks about three different relationships we have. One is of a business. So when you go to the store in HEB or you go somewhere else, you might be kind, but you kind of have a business relationship. You want what is on their shelves. They want what's in your purse or billfold, right? Kind of have this business relationship. That's one. Then there's others like friendship, okay, where one is running our slides, one is running the live stream. I feel like I have a friendship with her, I think, okay? And so there's this friendship. I, I talk about things differently with Wanda than I do the HEB clerk. Okay? And then the last one is this um, intimacy. It's this, this relationship like with a spouse. Not just a friendship, but far more. And in that relationship with my spouse, wouldn't it be great if I would say things like about how beautiful she is and how much she impacts my life for good and just taking time to praise her for who she is and what she does. Think about that in our relationship with God. Do we ever treat God just like a business person? God, I've done this. You owe me this. I pray for this. You could give me this. Or is it more than that? Is it more like a friendship where we're interacting a little bit? Or does, do you ever just pray, and as you're praying, you break out in spontaneous praise? <laughs> do you ever have it where you're just overwhelmed and in awe of God? My wife and I were sitting in the back of our car on our driveway the other night, she had got her little backpacker guitar out, and we just sang, and it was awesome to sing some songs. We used to sing when we first got married, to sing some songs based on an event we went through, and, and just to sing about the greatness of God. It was an experience we hadn't had for a long time. Do you ever grow weary of the same old thing, the same old way, and weary of a relationship with God that's not as intimate as it could be? Lastly, we have Romans 7. And if you can actually read Romans 7 and think, that's not me, <laughs> I'm impressed. Okay? Romans 7, the good that I want to do, that I don't do. The evil I don't want to do, that I keep on doing. Is there anybody here that can say, that's not me? <laughs> Is there anybody out there that can say, that's not me? If you do, please call me later. I'd just like to review the Ten Commandments with you. 
Okay? I don't even think we'll get through them all. Anytime you put yourself before God saying, I know I should do this, but I don't want to, you broke the first, you broke them all. Romans 7. We are called to fight the good fight of the faith. To turn our back on the sin, to remember who we are in Christ and live this new life in Jesus. Do you ever grow weary in the battle? Do you ever love someone that doesn't battle very well and grow weary in your effort to love and serve them well? We need rest. We are wearied people. If we think of being heavy laden, we think of those Pharisees. And I, I'm just reminded of John 5, 39 and 40, where, where Jesus says to the Pharisees, you diligently study the scriptures because in them you think you have eternal life. These are the scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. They were heavy laden with all these laws. And if you want to just think about this, think about Matthew 23. In Matthew 23, verses 1 through 4, it says this, Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat, so you must obey them and do everything they tell you, but do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. They tie up heavy loads and put them on men's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them or to be their spotters. Woe to, then it says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You shut the kingdom of heaven in men's faces. You yourselves do not enter, nor will you let those enter who are trying to. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You travel over land and sea to win a single convert. And when he becomes one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as you are. You know what they're saying? They're saying as long as you and I keep working to get people to trust in how well they behave and how moral they are, we're making them twice as much a son of, of hell. If you and I are depending upon how well we live and how well we really do with Jesus about how awesome we're doing, we're no longer prisoners of hope, are we? Every time you and I start depending upon ourselves, we're driving hope further away and we're becoming more weary and heavy laden. I experience this way too often in my own life. Do you experience this? It is so sad. Pray for me, pray for each other that we would live walking with Jesus. Remember, abiding and Repenting? Our hope is found in Jesus and his blood and righteousness, not how well we did today. Jeremiah 6 is, um, let me just read it for you. I just really like it. Jeremiah 6 is another time when words somewhat similar to this come out. Jeremiah 6, verse 16. This is what the Lord says. The Lord Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. But you said, we will not walk in it. Why not? Because they had forsaken the Lord. They were digging their own cisterns. They were looking not for the still water that Jesus brings them to, but they were looking 
for their own actions, their own water, what they did for themselves. And they were experiencing the consequences of forsaking the Lord. He says, come, come see this new way I'm giving you and walk in it. What is that new way? Well, think with me about John 14, verse 6. Jesus says, I am the, the way, the truth, and the life. No one, no one comes to the Father except through me. We are in a right relationship with Jesus. How? God's been working. We're in the right relationship with the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit because of what God has been doing over and over and over again in our lives to bring us to himself again and again because he is always faithful for you in the middle of being weary and heavy laden. Hebrews 3. If you, if you please write something down if you're at home or here. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7 through chapter 4, verse 11 are just beautiful verses. I'm not going to read the whole thing to you, but it talks about entering this rest and how the people of God, when they came out of Egypt, they were in that promised land, or they were getting ready to go into the promised land, but they wouldn't go in. They wouldn't go in because they didn't trust. But God had a rest for them in that promised land. God has a Sabbath rest for us. In Exodus chapter 20, we're given the Ten Commandments the first time. And it says in there, I really want to read this to you, so I know this takes a little bit of time, but I think it's so well to hear. Exodus 20, listen to this. It says, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your animals, nor the alien within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy." So we have a Sabbath rest. We are to rest also on this Sabbath day. Why? Remembering that our God made everything and rested. We also are to remember that God has made us and everything else and follow him and rest. But you know, the Ten Commandments are given a second time in Deuteronomy chapter 5. And in there, it says just a slightly different. It says it this way. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days shall you labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your ox, your donkey, or any of your animals, nor the alien within your gates, so that your manservant and maidservant may rest as you do. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. You see the difference? One is God's busy creating, so rest as he did. The other is rest and remember because you've been redeemed. There's a contemporary Christian song that asks, are you trying to earn grace? Or are you living as one who has been redeemed? And are you resting in what God has done, taking the Sabbath day to rest and to remember and to rejoice in the God who loves you so much, he gave you his son.
we have this Sabbath rest in Jesus who was weary and heavy laden for us, weary of the beatings, weary of the heavy cross that was placed on his back and that he was forced to carry to his, plot, to his spot of crucifixion. Heavy laden with all of our sins laid upon his back. Jesus is truly the one who is weary and heavy laden for us. And he bore it all on the cross. Finally, to think of this and being weary, I want to share with you a little something, but I want to share it in the, vi- in the video. So give just a moment as Wanda gets the camera to the right spot, and I hope this comes through loud enough. If it doesn't, I'll explain what's going on. Okay. Nothing there? No problem. If you want, I'll send you the link so you can come and see it in just a minute. But I want to tell you a little story. It's a story about Rick Hoyt, who was diagnosed with cerebral palsy at birth after his umbilical cord became twisted around his neck, which caused the blockage of oxygen flow. As a result, his brain cannot properly control his muscles. Many doctors encouraged the Hoyts to institutionalize Rick, informing them that he would be nothing more than a vegetable. His parents held on to the fact that Rick's eyes would follow them around the room, giving them hope that he would somehow be able to communicate someday. The Hoyts took Rick every week to Children's Hospital in Boston, where they met a doctor who encouraged the Hoyts to treat Rick like any other child. Rick's mother, Judy, spent hours each day teaching Rick the alphabet with sandpaper letters and posting signs on every object in the house. In a short amount of time, Rick learned the alphabet. At the age of 11, after some persistence from his parents, Rick was fitted with a computer that enabled him to communicate, and it became clear that Rick was intelligent. With this communication device, Rick was also able to attend public schools for the first time. Rick went on to graduate from Boston University in 1993 with a degree in special education. He later worked at Boston College in a computer lab, helping to develop systems to aid in communication and other tasks for people with disability. Team Hoyt began in 1977 when Rick asked his father if they could run in a race together to benefit a lacrosse player at his school who had become paralyzed. He wanted to prove that life went on, or, that life went on no matter your disability. Dick Hoyt, his father, a retired lieutenant colonel in the Air National Guard, was not a runner, and he was 36 years old. After their first race, Rick said, Dad, when I'm running, it feels like I'm not handicapped. So the father pushes this little, you'll sometimes see parents with strollers, it's just bigger. His son Rick is in it, and um, he's run over a thousand marathons, right? Over a thousand, right? I think I saw it, it was over a thousand. Check it out. If I'm wrong, that'll be the one part, wrong part, okay? But check that out. I think it's over a thousand. He's run the Boston Marathon, which you have to qualify for, okay? He also uh, has done some Ironman, okay, which is running, biking, and swimming, okay? And I think it's a full marathon of running. I think it's 100 miles of biking, and it's a mile of swimming. Something like that. 
five miles of swimming? Ouch. Okay, so just think on this just for a second. God calls us, Jesus says, come to me and take my yoke, for my burden is light. So what this isn't, and which is far too much of what I think happens in my life and the lives of those around me, is God says, come, join my son Jesus, take him, and let him, as Rick would say of his father, let Jesus be your hands and feet. Let Jesus be the one that carries you. Take his yoke upon you. And when we're living in that union with Jesus, do you know what? We no longer feel handicapped. We no longer feel old. We no longer feel useless. We no longer feel like a wretched man when we are united with Jesus, which is a moment by moment, day by day, walk with him, abiding and repenting, abiding and repenting. And I hope before I die, I get to do that a little bit more. Some days I do it okay. I hope you do too. Just think, we're in there. Jesus is motoring us through life. He's made us new. And he says, oh, by the way, cast your cares upon me, for I care for you. Jesus says that we, in our weariness and being heavy laden, are to come to him and find rest. Amen.